Hello everyone and welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. Today I'm delighted to welcome Dara Koff, who is currently a full-time institutional crypto sales manager at Huobi Global. Dara graduated with a degree in economics and finance from TUD in 2016 and graduated with a master's in financial risk management at Trinity College Dublin in 2018. Since then, Dara has worked in a host of areas in finance. Hi Dara, how are you today? Good, thanks Lucia, thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, okay, to begin, would you mind telling us a bit about Huobi Global and your role there? Yeah, sure. So Huobi Global is a crypto exchange where uh, retail and institutional clients can buy, sell, trade cryptocurrency and crypto derivatives. It sounds incredibly interesting and, and challenging. I was actually talking to some of my peers uh, this week about how they're currently studying a crypto module in UCD, and it's actually the first of its kind in Europe. I suppose for many of our listeners, um, crypto may not be the first path they think of post-college, especially coming from, from different disciplines. Can you tell us a bit about your journey to working in institutional crypto sales? Yeah, sure. So it was kind of, it was definitely unconventional, I would say. So I did my undergrad in economics and finance, graduated from that. And like, like a lot of people went kind of into financial services in Dublin. So I was working in fund accounting for like a year, uh, hated it, and decided like after a year of that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and do, uh, do a master's. I um, wasn't quite sure still what I wanted to do, but I thought like a master's would be a good place to start. So went back and did a master's in financial risk management in Trinity um, in yeah, 2018 into, yeah, 2018, trying to remember that, yeah, 2018. Um, and then after that, like, you know, I really enjoyed that master's. If anyone's looking at doing that, we, we did that with the with the finance master's as well. Kind of, we had a lot of modules together. Two great courses. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people in there went on to work in banks or, you know, institutions like that. Um, I was still a bit unsure at the time, like what I was going to do. So I decided I would go and do another J1. So did, did a one-year J1 to, to New York in 2019, yeah. So I went over there at the start of 2019, and I had, like, great ideas and great plans. I was going to go work in, you know, finance over there and, and see what would happen. But I quickly found out when I got there, it's quite difficult to to get jobs in the big institutions because they want people who can stay for more than, than one year. And obviously, that's all we can do in the J1 visa. So didn't end up working in finance at all. I uh, ended up working in a healthcare startup as like a finance manager, was massively underqualified, but, but learned a lot doing it anyway. Um, and then after like four or five months of doing that, um, a friend of mine asked, would I like to go and move to the Hamptons and caddy up there? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love golf. So I, I wasn't going to turn that opportunity down. So I moved up there and like the summer of, yeah, the summer when I was over there, caddied for four or five months unbelievable experience if anyone's kind of considering a j1 or is doing a j1 caddying is an amazing way to you know you know obviously it's it's good fun you make good money but to meet good people and and fairly well established people like you'll end up caddying for you know ceos and celebrities we even had some pro golfers and stuff come down and play the course when i was there which was really cool so um yeah made some good contacts over there and then came back to the city for like two months and just did odd jobs uh finished off my j1 and then, yeah, so then start of 2020 was when I came back and I was like, right, what am I going to do now? So came back to Ireland, was, was at home, started applying for jobs in like finance and tech, um, applied to some of the tech companies around Dublin and was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go and try to do maybe sales or account management was where I kind of saw myself. Um, and I don't know if it's changed, but back then, like the, the interview processes were, were crazy long and crazy intense. Like I remember I did 
seven interviews at one of the tech companies and um when you know when they were kind of deciding whether they were going to take me on or not uh was when COVID hit so that was like March 2020 everyone put hiring freezes on and then I was like okay um what am I going to do now I don't really have a job just back from New York and and now everyone's not hiring because of COVID so um yeah I mean at the time I was also kind of dabbling in crypto I'd been you know in it and out of it since like 2017 2018 just buying and selling um, didn't really know a whole lot about it, but I was always kind of attracted to it just because, you know, I always had a good interest in markets and, um, you know, I thought the, the the tech behind Bitcoin and stuff was cool. So got into it, started doing some trading, um, you know, buying some small amounts here and there. And then I was like, so fast forward to, you know, COVID's hit, the job market's frozen, I'm unemployed. And I was like, right, what am I going to do here? So I started just doing a little bit of trading myself. Obviously, markets were crazy at the time after the COVID crash. There was a lot of volatility um both ways so got a bit lucky there and, and kind of that kind of kept me tied me over for a few few months and then I think it was about April and May time I saw a job pop up for a, a remote a junior trader for a prop trading firm in, in London um which was fully remote so like prop trading is is a trading firm that uses proprietary capital so they don't have any outside investors they just trade like partner money so they generally have a bit more flexibility to do uh to trade things like crypto, whereas a lot of, you know, bigger trading firms or, or banks or, or funds wouldn't wouldn't have that flexibility. So I applied. Um, the interview process was quite interesting. The first thing was obviously they, they had a look at my CV and said, yeah, we'd like to consider you. So the first round interview was a week long trading competition. So they actually funded, I think they funded a, um, an exchange account with $100 or something. And you had a week to go and trade it. And then after a week, I, I got quite lucky. I think I was up a couple of percent. Um, and yeah, I went for a proper interview then with the, with the guy who was the head of trading. And, um, you know, he didn't really care what trades I put on or, you know, what I was telling him, why I was putting them on. At the time, I was pretty inexperienced. We're, we're like rubbish, to be honest. They didn't make any sense. But because I kind of had a background in, in risk management for my master's, I was quite clued into like how to, you know, how to manage risk and trading positions. And I was already interested in that sort of thing. So, the fact that I was able to kind of, you know, understood, understood the principles of, of risk management. Um, yeah, they kind of took me from there. So um, I did that for a year, got, got the job anyway. I did that for a year, which was, it was, it was good. It was very intense and it was quite bleak at times, to be honest. Like when you're trading, you know, 10, 12 hours a day from your bedroom, because um, we were in lockdown. But at the same time, you know, what, what are you going to do? So it was, it was quite an intense year. Um, but it was really good in terms of like learning about the market, learning about the players in the market, you know, how, you know, the mechanics of the market, everything like that. Um, but I never, you know, after a year, it was like, okay, do I want to keep doing this? Things were starting to open up. And I was kind of thinking about moving away from trading. Like I had learned a lot about crypto, but it's a big space and there's a lot more to do out there. And I, I always kind of saw myself more as like sales, account management, relationship management, as opposed to like, you know, quantitatively trading for the rest of my life or, or discretionary trading for the rest of my life. Um, and then it kind of coincided nicely that the company I work for now, Huobi, um, their head of sales reached out and, you know, asked me would I be interested in a, in a sales role with them. And I said, yeah, sure. So did an interview, did a couple of interviews, a couple of case studies. And yeah, got, got the job there, which is my current role, which is institutional sales manager for EMEA for Huobi Group. So um, basically what I do now is, um, I manage kind of inbound and outbound institutional sales for, <clears throat> excuse me, EMEA. 
um, as well as like onboarding the institutional clients and managing their accounts. So it's, it's kind of like full sales cycle. We don't really have like, we don't separate it out, which is good because obviously, you know, you get more exposure that way. And in terms of product lines, what we do, we obviously have, you know, spot and derivatives trading. We're top five exchange there in terms of volume liquidity. We do OTC and lending, staking, custody, asset management, and then we have an investment arm as well. Yeah, it sounds incredibly interesting. You've come a long way from, from caddying and on your J1 all the way through these different types of, of um, jobs in the industry. Would you do anything differently if you look back now regarding your pathway to your current job? Um, yeah, I think I would probably try and build out my network a bit better and a bit earlier than I did. Like, you know, looking back, some of the people that, you know, I met caddying or, you know, just met and, you know, traveling around New York or whatever, like I would have cemented some of those relationships a bit better. I think now working in sales, like what I would say is really important. Um, one of the things I've learned is really important is um, having a really good network and, and you know, managing your network. And um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, kind of staying on top of who you know and that sort of thing. And I suppose you start doing that as soon as you get into college, like the, the relationships you build and, you know, whether it's with other students, um, you know, lecturers, and then as you go on into the workplace, I'd say, yeah, I probably would have started to cement some of those relationships a little bit earlier. Yeah, definitely. And um, do you think you spoke about your your degrees and both of those were, were really beneficial to you? But do you think in terms of your current job and, and working in crypto, which is obviously something that's quite it's underrepresented, I think, in an, from an academic perspective at, at university. Do you think those degrees prepared you well for your current role? It was more so your kind of learning on the job and, and training that you did after college that was most beneficial? Um, yeah, I think yes and no. Like my, my master's and my undergrad definitely gave me like a good understanding of markets and products and, you know, kind of how the financial ecosystem works, say, um, which is, you know, if, if I didn't do that, it would have been difficult to understand. And it's definitely important to, to know those concepts and know those products because, you know, I have to speak about them every day. But as you say, there's no university course that's going to tell you, you know, or teach you about the products in crypto. So that I kind of picked up myself and kind of learned along the way. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, it definitely helps to have, you know, for example, like have a master's degree in your CV and, and, and you know, some of the stuff that I would have learned, I, I do use a bit today, but definitely not in terms of like I did financial risk management so that was quite you know quantitative heavy whereas I don't really do any quantitative stuff now I, you know it's sales so just speak to new people in the industry every day and, and manage my clients basically what I do. Mm -hmm. And if there's anyone listening interested in going into crypto trading or institutional crypto sales um, are there any resources that you would recommend looking into or anything you found beneficial in, in increasing your knowledge in the area? Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and a lot of them are kind of not official resources, but I think you can find a lot of good stuff on Medium. Um, two Medium, or I suppose, pages that are worth following. One is Arthur Hayes. So he's the former CEO of BitMEX Exchange. And he gives like a really comprehensive, but very kind of digestible um, overview of crypto markets and, and kind of different aspects of the market and how things operate. Um, it's very kind of colloquial language so you know it is digestible but he uses kind of um crypto language throughout but yeah anyone who's interested should definitely read that um read his his medium piece and then from a more kind of technical institutional point of view Q, there's a company called qcp capital i think they're based in singapore and um, they do a lot of stuff in the options market and they publish like really like in-depth 
kind of technical research on, on the crypto markets. Um, and then kind of a bit more kind of easy reading and, and, and listening. Um, you know, Blockworks, pretty good um, online publication. And then they also have a podcast called Empire. They get some pretty interesting, uh, interesting guests on there as well. So I think that's stuff I would lean towards. And then stuff I would lean away from is like, I think when everyone gets into crypto, it's like retail. It's almost like a rite of passage for retail to go on YouTube and Twitter and like follow these influencers that, um, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're shilling people buy. But I think a lot of these, you have to be careful with a lot of them. They're just getting paid to shill projects. And um, yeah, it's about kind of knowing what's valuable and, and, and knowing what's not. Yeah. And what do you think out of all of your work, what aspects do you most enjoy? Um, definitely like the, I would say, you know, every day I'm talking to new people in the space. Um, and because we have such a broad product range, um, you know, there's, there's mo most people in the space we can get on a call and hopefully do something with. Um, it's great to hear what, what other people are doing. And, and, you know, there's a lot of kind of really interesting and smart people doing really cool, really cool things in the space. And then also, you know, being in sales, we do a lot of traveling. So um, I've done a bit of traveling to events and stuff this year. And as you can imagine, the events in crypto are, are generally pretty, pretty good. So yeah, I'd say traveling and then just, you know, you never really know who you're going to meet or speak to on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, definitely. And um, I suppose then from that, how did you choose the area of crypto you worked in? Like, was there any other areas you worked in previously and then you decided they weren't for you or is it kind of a process or are there other areas in, in the crypto industry you'd like to, to work in in the future? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to before I was even in crypto. Like when I was studying my master's in finance, I knew then like I was not going to be, you know, I wasn't going to be a quant. I wasn't going to be, you know, anything like super maths intensive. That wasn't where my strengths were. My strengths were much more like, you know, um, sales, like interpersonal skills. Um, so I always figured like I would go into like sales, account management, relationship management. And I think I'm, I'm, it's a good thing to note, like it's not necessarily what you study is going to determine what you do. In fact, most people you talk to will say that it's not the case at all. Um, the reason I ended up in sales is because I kind of identified that as my strength pretty early, even though I wasn't necessarily studying it. Um, and even when I was trading crypto, I always felt like it was going to be a springboard to, you know, go and work at a company where I could be client facing and, and use that knowledge kind of in the sales or account management arena. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a, it was thought out. Like I always th thought I would end up, you know, in a client facing role. And I guess, you know, here we are. Yeah. And um, you mentioned that getting into your current position, you'd kind of managed your own kind of account before of, of um you know trading crypto and things i know even like with a lot of my friends at the minute they've got new jobs and things and they're they're looking into getting into investing do you think crypto investing is something young people should get into especially if they're into the career or is it something you know you should wait to, till you get a bit more experience to to get into yeah i think um like obviously i'm going to say this but definitely i think every young person should start investing in crypto um for for a variety of different reasons i think it's it's a, investing is just a good habit to get into when you're young. Obviously, you, you know your future self will definitely thank you for it. Um, I think it's really important, and I think it's probably something our generations are not great at. Like we're pretty good at spending. Um, you know, people are good at spending, good at saving, but I think you know you don't really want to be saving too much now when when inflation is so high. So it's a good time to be you know learning how to invest and um, you know just putting it into practice really. In terms of investing in crypto, like when people ask me, oh, what should I buy or what should I do? I, I generally don't like you know, telling people I'll oh, buy this because, you know, if it goes up, you'll never hear about it. If it goes down, you'll, you'll, it's all you'll hear about. So 
Um, I have kind of a you know a process for people that are trying to get into crypto and like how should I, what should I buy, what should I do? I think there's a couple of things you want to consider. So um, there's a saying which is like DYOR, which means do your own research. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Don't you know if you see something pumped on Twitter or you see something you know on YouTube, if you've seen it's pumped, it's probably too late to be buying it. It's probably not a good thing to be buying anyway. So like do your own research into the space. You know read up on the fundamentals about you know, various different cryptocurrencies, like, you know, the, and then and then kind of make your own investment decision based on that. Um, and I don't think you need to be like, you know, you don't need to be an analyst or anything to do this. I mean, you know, if I give you an example, let's say um, I've never bought crypto before, but I think, you know, Bitcoin is a good alternative to the current monetary system. And I think it's a hedge against inflation. It's like, okay, right. Next step is like, where do I buy it? So you want to go and use like a trusted exchange, like, you know, ourselves, or, or there's, there's plenty of others out there, but I want to go and use a good exchange with a good, you know, good track record of security. Um, then you want to decide, okay, how am I gonna, how am I gonna buy it? Am I gonna buy it all in one lump sum? Am I gonna, you know, if you do that, you're kind of at risk to the volatility because you buy it this week. If you put all your money that you want to buy, you know, if you want to put a thousand euro into it, and you want to put a thousand euro in this year, and you put it all in today, if Bitcoin drops ten percent next week, you're down ten percent. So, I think. A good good way to do it is if you want to buy spot crypto or you want to buy Bitcoin, you, you know, you do it over time. So like dollar cost average into it. So rather than buying a thousand euros today, you buy, you know, a hundred euros every month for the next 10 months. And it kind of reduces your exposure to that volatility. Um, and then the last thing, you know, if you're, if you're going to kind of talk about the full cycle is, you know, you want to be able to store that crypto and, and look into, you know, am I going to custody it myself? Am I going to custody it with a third party? Um Etc. So, like, that's just like a very rough example of you know how you could invest, and I think um, it's definitely worth reading up on. I think you know having a bit of knowledge about you know crypto, blockchain, whatever it is, and and yeah, getting started investing is definitely good for young people. Yeah, and um, you know, you you spoke about the volatility, I suppose, of some of different um, types of crypto and things. Obviously, not all crypto is is created equally, and while um, memes and things like that can be influential in the crypto space. Um, and investing in hypes and news related tokens and things like that is probably not recommended. I mean, you Will Smith, the slapping incident, the Oscars and everything. And there was a token even made out of that. Um, do you think going forward in your industry, you think um, that regulation will be a huge issue going forward and, and you know, changing how easy it is to make tokens and, and things like that? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, coming from the institutional space where I kind of work, you know, everyone is hypersensitive to what's going on regulation wise. You know, you had the European Union recently proposing laws where they would require service providers like us to, you know, track the data of anyone who um, deposits or withdraws assets from our platform, which would be, you know, difficult as a, as a service provider to do and probably a bit draconian in terms of oversight from the European Union. Um, and then you had the UK um, being a lot more positive recently where they are now accepting stable coins as valid forms of payment and are planning on moving forward to make the UK a hub for, you know, crypto technology and investment. So I think, yeah, regulation is going to play a huge part. Um, but I would also say to people that, you know, the meme tokens and stuff goes back to what I said about do your own research and don't just blindly buy something because you saw it from on Twitter. Um, you know, people have to kind of look after themselves as, as much as, as the regulator will. So, yeah, I think regulation is going to play a huge part in terms of the landscape. You'll get what will happen, I think, will, you know, you'll get more favorable jurisdictions like maybe the UK or Dubai will emerge. Maybe the EU goes the other way. Um, and, you know, 
whatever happens happens but I think don't rely on on the regulator to protect you you kind of have to be you know a bit savvy yourself and as I said do your own research in, into what you're buying Definitely. And you spoke about um, earlier that this wasn't really so much your sphere, I suppose, of um, crypto, but we had a group project in college this year, um, an investment analysis on High Street Market, the world's first commerce-based metaverse built on blockchain and crypto technology. Um, for people who aren't familiar with these platforms, it can be quite daunting to think that this could be the future. Um, do you think going forward that these types of platforms will be the future or are they just kind of a, a hyped up concept? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I'm definitely no expert on the metaverse, but I do think it's quite an interesting part of the space. Um, like I've spoken to some people this year that um, are, you know, building apartments in the metaverse and they're, you know, selling them. Um, I can't remember what the price was, but it was a couple of Ethereum, like they're not cheap. Um, so, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on. I've actually done as well some metaverse events where you you get fully tagged up in the VR gear and you go through like a full um kind of immersive experience and i thought that was really cool and doing stuff like that definitely opened my eyes to the you know the benefits of it and, and what it can actually be used for i think like in terms of adoption i think we're probably a long way off it being like a universally used product like we haven't really even seen mass adoption in crypto yet um which will probably come first um but yeah like it, it, it as nascent as it is i think it's definitely like a very cool technology and there will be massive growth in that in that region for or that area for sure so i mean if anyone's looking at it as a potential like oh you know if i go into this is it going to just disappear in, in in five years or whatever i think that's kind of the way people looked at crypto five years ago so um if you can take any kind of positivity out of that I, you know it, it, how quickly it's grown and and how popular it is I, I definitely don't see it going away today or tomorrow yeah and um with regard to working in the future do you think everyone will need some sort of um knowledge in the crypto sphere or is it something that you know there'll be certain people in society that need to have crypto expertise and, and manage those parts of, of society or do you think it's something everyone is going to be affected by yeah i mean i think if we get like um somewhere near like mass adoption then i think it's it can't hurt for everyone to have you know a bit of an understanding of you know how crypto works maybe how DeFi works um understanding you know basic understanding of blockchain nfts like they're all new technologies if you, if you look at the adoption curve of crypto it's pretty much lockstep for what the adoption curve for the internet is and i think if you ask someone today if they didn't know what the internet was that they had a disadvantage then yeah definitely so i think even if it's not you know applicable to your career it's you know for your own personal knowledge and benefit i would definitely recommend that you know people have some sort of understanding of crypto and, and the eco space and kind of you know, if you do, you can definitely use that to your advantage, whether it's investing or saving or, you know, earning yield or whatever you want to do in the space. There's there's so much to do. So, yeah, I think it's overall, it's definitely a yes. Yeah, and one of the main current concerns when I, I speak to people in college about crypto and um, is the environmental impact and the amount of energy required to mine crypto. Is it something you see in the industry working that they're working on or that can be improved going forward? Or do you think it will always be the case that there will be some sort of environmental impact yeah again it's, it's not something i kind of really focus on or deal with directly um in terms of like some of our clients are miners but kind of how they mine crypto is is their business less less of ours but um i mean it's definitely when you go to events and you you know it's, it's always being spoken about at panels on events and people are discussing like you know is there more ethical ways to do this and i think one of one one way is you know using renewable um sources of energy to to mine crypto is one I've heard, but 
I mean, even, you know, ESG is such a, a strong theme in macro investing now, not just in crypto. So I think you're starting to see a lot more capital flow in um, to projects or companies that are looking at, you know, renewable energy mining or carbon offset or, you know, other ESG focused business models. So I think it'll definitely be like a pretty important theme um, in crypto going forward. And, uh, you know, as well, Bitcoin is the big one, like Bitcoin mining uses a lot of energy. The energy consumption actually goes up as the price increases because more miners um, basically get involved. And yeah, I think if that does happen again, if we get another bull market and we start to, you know, really rip up like we did last year, then it'll become, you know, even more, um, more of a central theme. Yeah, definitely. And what are you most excited about in the industry right now? Um, I think per- personally, I, I think there's a couple of like, you know, anecdotal stories I've heard, like people are like, oh, I'm not a big NFT guy, but um, and I'm, I don't necessarily understand the ape culture and that, that sort of stuff myself. But I have seen like friends of mine who've used NFTs, say if you're a music artist, you know, you mint 20 NFTs and you sell those and, and it funds your tour around the UK for a couple of weeks or something like that. So real use worst or real world use cases of NFTs and then DeFi as well. Like if you own, you know, if you own crypto, if you own Bitcoin or whatever, and you need like short term financing to you know pay your rent or you just need like cash on hand rather than you know using a credit card, you can deposit crypto on a lending platform. You can borrow against it um, and then, you know, re- repay it without having to actually sell your crypto. So it's, you know, putting that to 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 work and, and being able to, you know, short-term finance yourself outside of, of the banking system. So stuff like that. I mean, it's not groundbreaking stuff. This, you know, it's been going on for a while, but I think it's, it's cool to see stuff like that where, you know, me or you can use it rather than, you know, um, some big company just buying Bitcoin and putting it on their balance sheet. Um, and I suppose then from a professional point of view, like obviously I'm excited to be in the space and, and, you know, some of the traditional institutions that I, have seen and some that I've spoken to that are looking at ways to get involved, um, you know, would be big institutions with a lot of assets under management. It's exciting to see those guys come in. Um, it's the old cliche, like the institutions are coming. And I think on the institutional side of things, we're definitely starting to see that in the last kind of six, 12 months. And I'd expect that to continue. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dara. That was incredibly insightful. Um, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, and just in terms of other resources, um, BlockSock and DataSock are also great resources if you're interested in getting into this industry. Both of those societies can be found on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, but thank you very much, Dara. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, I hope it was useful for your listeners. And you know, if anyone has any questions, they can just, I guess, ping me on LinkedIn or if they have any questions about opening a Huobi account or anything like that. Uh, Yeah, feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lucia.